Welcome to Louisiana Considered. On Wednesday, I'm Adam Voss. Just ahead on today's show, we'll hear about one organization that's working to tackle the issue of the availability and accessibility of mental health services for workers in the food and beverage industry, restaurants and bars, an important part of the economy here. We'll also learn how the gumbo pot gives a unique look at inflation. We'll have a report from Drew Hawkins and Stephen Basaha, who went on a shopping trip in New Orleans. But first, the Louisiana Department of Children and Family Services is warning SNAP and EBT beneficiaries about potential benefits theft resulting from card skimmers found at retail stores across the state. Louisiana considered assistant producer Aubrey Purcell spoke with Rhonda Brown, the fraud and recovery director for DCFS. They talked about the magnitude of the threat and what cardholders can do to protect their benefits. So, Rhonda, can you start by telling me a bit about how these card skimmers work and where they're commonly found? So a card skimmer is an overlay that goes on a point of sale device at a register. Check out Walmart, Sam's, Rouse's. When you go and put your credit card information, that's called a point of sale. They are putting an overlay on that point of sale device. And that overlay just captures all the information that is entered. If you swipe your card and enter your PIN, that skimmer now has your information to steal your benefits, SNAP, cash, debit card, any credit card transaction that goes through there. They now have all of your information. Are there any signs that store owners and cardholders should look out for to detect card skimmers? What do they look like? So it looks exactly like the point of sale device. It's actually an overlay. You'll see um, sometimes the digits will be a little off or it's not centered or your card won't swipe properly. It may get a glitch when you're swiping it. Look for those things. And if you do see that, just tug on the EBT um, the point of sale device and let the retailer know, hey, I believe something is wrong with your machine. We've had a lot of them like that where they've discovered um, it's actually a, a customer that discovered it, not an employee. Um, I do believe that a lot of our retailers are locking their point of sale devices and they're putting um, stickers on the side of their point of sale. And to if you don't see a sticker then that means there may be an overlay over it because the overlay would cover the sticker on the side. A lot of them are putting locks, you know, on their point of sale devices as well. So just be mindful when you're using it. Just look for any abnormalities, you know, or anything that is out of the ordinary. Is DCFS aware of any benefit theft resulting from these card skimmers at the moment? Of the most recent skimmers that were discovered in October, we don't believe we've had any theft reported as of yet. However, we've had past skimming devices located within our state in Calcasieu Parish, Sabine Parish, Manny, Allen Parish. We've had several, and we've had dozens of victims from those devices. Do these card skimmers only pose a threat to SNAP and EBT beneficiaries? What other kinds of cards can they copy information from? Any card that is used at that register, it can do credit cards, debit cards, um, gift cards, anything that is used at the register that requires a PIN to be entered, that skimmer now has all of that information. They don't have your name or uh, identifying information. It's just the card number in the PIN. Why sound the alarm now? Was there a sudden influx in the number of card skimmers found in Louisiana stores? Recently in October, yes, there were. There were probably, um, I'm going to say, over 30 skimming devices found throughout the state. And normally we would isolate it to a general area 
you know, say Calcasieu or um, Allen Parish, we would normally just notify those victims. Unfortunately, in this incident, there were so many discovered throughout the state, we thought it was best to notify all clients throughout the state to change their pen. And that is something that they can get in the habit of doing in order to prevent yourself from being a victim at any time. If you change your EBT PIN number right before your benefits deposit at the beginning of the month or whenever your deposit is, um, then that'll prevent the thief from having that EBT uh, PIN number and prevent you from losing your benefits. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Considered. We're speaking with Rhonda Brown from the State Department of Children and Family Services about how card skimmers may affect SNAP and EBT beneficiaries. So, Rhonda, what steps should cardholders take to protect their benefits, and what should they do if they discover suspicious activity on their accounts? The first thing that they should do is change their PIN. If they haven't already done so in the last 30 days, change your PIN to a number that no one knows and that's not easily guessed. Um, The second thing would be to download our uh, Life and Check EBT and monitor your transactions. Look for any suspicious transactions. Um, One of the key indicators that you are probably going to be a victim of skimming is balance checks. So the thief is going to do a balance check through um, normally an online retailer. And if you see balance checks on your account that are not you, you need to immediately change your PIN. Where can beneficiaries go to, um, to change their PIN? They can call the 1-888-997-1117, which is on the back of their card, or they can change their PIN in the Life and Check EBT app. And they can also call us at 1-88-LA-HELP-YOU and request a new card if they believe they are a victim. Rhonda, I know that you said there hasn't been any benefit theft reported as a result of these card skimmers discovered in October, but can the state or federal government reimburse SNAP and EBT benefits to victims of benefits fraud? Yes. So what they need, if they believe they are a victim of EBT skimming, theft, or cloning. Um, Additionally, I'm going to add phishing, which is basically we've had some victims. There's a 1-866 number that is calling clients and asking them to enter their EBT card number. And unfortunately, um, a lot of our clients have entered that card number and their PIN. And the thief now has all of their information. We have had some victims in the last month for those types of incidents. If they believe they are an inc- uh, a victim, they can call the 1-888-LA-HELP-YOU and they'll be forwarded to the Fraud and Recovery Unit and we'll begin the process of replacing their benefits. So what's being done to guard against benefit fraud on y'all's end of things? Any security improvements in the works? As of now, it's actually EBC theft is a nationwide problem with skimming devices across all 50 states. And um, some states have, I believe, um, California is implementing a chip program. They're uh, piloting a chip. I don't know the success of it yet, um, but I do know that FNS and USDA is working on ways to protect client benefits. Right now, we're advocating for the client to protect their benefits. Change your PIN, monitor your usage, immediately report anything suspicious because if you believe you are a victim, more than likely there's another victim out there. So what we try to do is If we get a call regarding EBT theft, immediately our fraud and recovery unit begins researching it. One, to determine if there's any other victims, even if they haven't called in, we um, advocate, you know, and try to mitigate any losses to the state. So we immediately start researching where was this card skimmed? 
are there other victims that could possibly be? And we begin notifying clients. We believe you may have been a victim of EBT theft. Please change your PIN. Um, if you have lost benefits, please contact Fraud and Recovery. So we do try to mitigate a lot of our losses, and we've been pretty successful at that. Are other states finding these card skimmers in stores more often than they used to? What steps have those states taken to deal with the problem? Uh, it is extremely common. I think all 50 states have now been hit with skimming devices and EBT theft. I think we're all battling the same thing. We're trying to get ahead of them. But every time we step, you know, get a few steps ahead, we end up discovering another skimming device. And we do have federal and local law enforcement um, investigating the cases to determine, one, who's putting the skimming devices on, and two, who else, who is using the EBT card after it's skimmed. So we do, um, you know, request surveillance video and um, additional information to pursue the criminal case against the person. Rhonda Brown is the Fraud and Recovery Director for the Louisiana Department of Children and Family Services. Thanks for joining us, Rhonda. Thank you. This is Louisiana Considered. One organization is working to tackle the issue of the availability and accessibility of mental health services for workers in the service industry. Southern Smoke Foundation was established in 2015 to provide a safety net of support for food and beverage workers. Their mental health program is called Behind You, that play on words based on an often used alert uttered in very active kitchen environments. It seeks to expand no-cost mental health counseling for hospitality workers who often endure stressful work environments and low pay. They've expanded their program to Louisiana. They're going on a year of providing mental health services for service industry personnel in Louisiana in partnership with LSU. Here with us to speak about the program, we have Katarina Bill, Chief Mission Officer with the Southern Smoke Foundation. Kat, thanks for being here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. So Southern Smoke has been supporting food and beverage workers since 2015. What prompted you to make mental health care a focus? I think it's always been a struggle that the industry experiences. It's something that we knew existed. Um, for a long time, people weren't willing to address it or talk about it. We all hear the word stigma quite frequently. And so even though there were a lot of people experiencing mental health challenges, it just wasn't something that was a priority for us. With the passing of Anthony Bourdain in 2018, it really did raise concern, awareness for the stresses that do come with this industry and the types of jobs that people live and breathe in day to day. So we met with a panel of our chefs. We have an annual festival. That is how we got our name um, at that festival that year. One of our well-known chef partners said, I think that we should really get together and talk about mental health as a topic and what we need to do from within to make changes to support. They all went into a closed door forum and Mental Health America helped to mediate that conversation. So we were really having people put down their guard and really talk about the problems that the industry was facing. Um, you mentioned you had a roundtable of chefs and they're able to talk candidly about their experience. Can you tell me what you've heard? Tell us about the typical mental health picture for the average worker in the service industry. You know, what's the work environment like? How do they cope with it? I think that's, um, you raised a really good point. The, the topic of coping is something that is one of the biggest struggles to take place in this industry. A lot of times people 
are using substances or turning to that nightcap at the bar in order to kind of come down from that high energy environment they've been in all day long in the kitchen or out on the floor. Um, I mean, both front of house, back of house bartenders, they all experience the same things. So a lot of what we're seeing is associated with anxiety. Um, we, we deal with a lot of anxiety and depression. And so it's people not really understanding how to address those things. And so not having the right coping tools has really been a big challenge for everyone. Tell me about how you're making this program happen in Louisiana. How might the needs of workers, food and beverage workers in Louisiana be different to workers in, in other parts of the, the nation? Sure. So we launched our program in partnership with LSU in late 2022. We decided that it was time for us to partner not only with our neighbor, but a state that we know is so heavy in service, food and beverage, hospitality. The way that the program works is anyone in the food and beverage industry who is working 30 plus hours a week with a six month work history is able to qualify for no cost counseling. We provide 20 free sessions or six months of free counseling to anyone who applies and is referred through our program. You've run this program in other states. What results have you seen? What's the feedback been like? The feedback has been very positive. We're fortunate for that. We've actually been told that people were ready to leave the industry. And because of this program, they decided to stay. It really is helping them to create a more positive work environment for themselves, for their employees. And not only that, they're taking what they're learning and really trying to apply that not only in their work life, but in their daily life at home as well. We're speaking with Kat Bill, Chief Mission Officer with the Southern Smoke Foundation. They're providing a free mental health care program for workers in the food and beverage industry. And we're learning a little bit about that program right now. Coming back to Louisiana, when I think of the service industry, the food and beverage industry, especially in New Orleans, a much more major employer, so many people involved, it seems like a more high stakes environment for people who are really trying to make it in the industry. What feedback have you heard from South Louisiana as far as the impact on food and beverage workers here? Absolutely. I think, again, going back to the fact that Louisiana is such a huge state that relies on food and beverage, and a lot of the feedback is the high stress of working in this industry in a year-round capacity because people are constantly coming to Louisiana for entertainment and food and beverage. There's really not any downtime to recover, to recoup. Um, you go straight from holidays to the Mardi Gras season, uh, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, some of the most busy days for the industry. So there's not really a break to catch up. I see. And you mentioned LSU. Is this in association with LSU's educational mission and how they have students that they're educating to be mental health providers and such? Yes, exactly. So they have a training clinic where their students, their graduate students who are seeking licenses in social work and psychology must complete a certain curriculum. So what we do is partner with the university and we provide grants so that they can provide the service to our girls at no cost. What are the hurdles, what are the barriers that you see to providing mental health services to workers in the industry? Accessibility and affordability 
would be the two biggest issues that the industry is facing. And I think that goes outside of the industry, but specifically um, for food and beverage, historically benefits usually aren't that great. And when they are, mental health coverage just isn't, isn't where it needs to be. That is, again, why we do telehealth services so that if someone's working a double, hopefully they can take a moment, step out and have their session and not have to choose between mental health care and picking up that extra shift that's going to help them pay the rent. Because if you can't pay your rent, you're most certainly going to be having a mental health struggle with that situation. One of the requirements of all of our partnerships is that the university is able to provide telehealth services. Again, we're trying to break down barriers, not create them. So by doing so, anyone throughout the state can take advantage of the services and the program. Cat Bill, Chief Mission Officer with Southern Smoke Foundation, thank you for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that no-cost mental health program is called Behind You, information about how to access Southern Smoke's emergency relief services and their mental health program available to food and beverage workers is at southernsmoke.org. The Behind You program is now available in Louisiana as well as Texas, California, Illinois, and soon New York. From WRKF and WWNO, this is Louisiana Considered. I'm Adam Voss. Rue, rice, and trinity. Cold weather means gumbo, a classic Louisiana dish mixing all kinds of meats and veggies and other ingredients. It also means a gumbo pot gives a unique look at inflation. Drew Hawkins and Stephen Basaha from the Gulf States Newsroom went on a shopping trip with a New Orleans chef to see how the official inflation numbers match up against the gumbo inflation index. Okay, Stephen, so we're at the oldest family market in New Orleans, Zapardo's. Yes, and our gumbo chef slash guy today is Bunny Young. Hi, I'm Bunny. We hug in New Orleans. Hi, we hug in New Orleans. Young's a home chef who does catering and pop-ups. She's decked head to toe in crawfish red, from her Crocs to her dangling crawfish earrings. Y'all ready? Cool. All right, we're following your lead. <laughs> right, okay. You're in charge. I'll, I'll so first up, an absolute must for any gumbo. I want to have the best smoked sausage, their regular smoked sausage, and I use their andouille smoked sausage. The thing to know is that andouille sausage is basically the smoked sausage of Louisiana. Now, normally when you're checking inflation, you'd go to the Consumer Price Index, the CPI. It's where the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks the price of goods. Now, there are a lot of very specific ingredients that you can't really look up in the CPI, like andouille. But andouille is made with pork. And based on what's in the CPI, pork has actually been pretty immune to inflation this year going up less than half a percent. But according to the YGI, that's the Young's Gumbo Index, the price of andouille has gone up. Look, these are $6.50 each. <laughs> I can remember they were like maybe, I'd say five bucks this time last year. Young says there is one thing that's been inflation resistant, chicken. Are you guys familiar with chicken gizzards? Do you know what they are? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Let's just say it's not something the Consumer Price Index reports. But it does track poultry, which has been pretty stable, up just over 1%. And this one's $5.03 a pound. So this is still moderately okay. Now we're going to get the stuff that we need to make the roux. What is the roux? Stephen. 
Did you really just ask this lady what a roux is? Well, I know now. It's flour and it's fat. And about flour, the price of flour, it's actually cheaper in the South. But it's rising a lot faster here than it is nationally, nearly 7%. Now that we have our roux, we need our holy trinity. These are basically your seasoning vegetables, your onions, celery, and of course, some green bell peppers. And here we got some good news. According to the National Index, fresh veggies are actually cheaper this year, more than 3% cheaper. It's the one thing we all wanted for the holidays, deflation. Yeah, but that's not a gift we're getting in New Orleans, at least when it comes to bell peppers. Two for 89 cents. Yeah, this is expensive in today's culture. It's very expensive. (laughs) Young actually has the receipts to back up this bell pepper bump. Compare bell pepper prices to last year, and yeah, the price she's been paying has gone up, roughly 14%. The inflation Young is seeing is a lot higher than the official inflation numbers. And this is something that keeps happening during our shopping trip. Young spent 25 years as an accountant, and she's been shopping, or as we say in New Orleans, making groceries multiple times a week. So we all know we're watching these prices, and that's just what it is. And I can tell you that that list is not what's happening. That was the government website. That's not what's happening. To help us understand what's going on here, we called up Ben Meadows. He's an economist at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and maybe not the best guy to ask about gumbo. I technically have celiac disease, the disease of no fun. So that means that I can't have anything that's really good in life. Bread, pizza, pasta, beer. Or gumbo. He says because the CPI is trying to be this big national average of food prices, it actually isn't that great at capturing inflation for regional specialties. I mean, think about it, right? You're trying to get a basket of goods that represents a shopper in Seattle, New Orleans, New York, and Nashville all at the same time. Like... It's a really hard job. So measuring things across the country means paying attention more to the generic sausage everyone buys rather than New Orleans' beloved andouille. So Young's gumbo index is something the CPI can't do. It helps us understand how inflation can affect different places in different ways. Yeah, I think to balance it out, we'd need to have the Philly cheesesteak indicator and the Chicago deep dish index. Yes, I want to be assigned to that story. So after buying a few more things, some fresh crab, shrimp, and a lot of seasoning, we made our way back to the home kitchen with Bunny Young, and she turned our basket of indicators into actual gumbo. That's the first order of business for me, getting the shrimp here. And after several hours of chopping, browning, boiling, simmering, and being tortured by that incredible smell, we finally got to the most important test. Steven taking a bite of his first gumbo. (laughs) The taste test. How is it? Oh, that's so that's so much flavor. Is that it? Oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is it. That is so good. As for the final part of our index, the actual price of the gumbo compared to last year, Young says she's had to up her prices from 10 to 15 bucks a pop. That's a 50% jump. And her customers are asking for smaller portions now. But like us, they're still eating it up. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Drew Hawkins. And I'm Stephen Basaha.
And this is Louisiana Considered on WRKF and WWNO. And a check on Louisiana News in Baton Rouge. A judge is calling on legislators to redraw the parish's judicial map to clear a path for a second black judgeship on the state's first circuit court of appeal. Donald Johnson is chief judge of the 19th Judicial District Court in Baton Rouge. He sent Governor-elect Jeff Landry a letter last month urging that the legislature address the judicial map during an upcoming special session. As the advocate reports, Johnson argued that the parish's population shifted from majority white to majority black between 2010 and 2020. It's according to census data, but the current voting map doesn't reflect that change. It's the second time in recent months that Johnson has made that push. And in suburban New Orleans, an $88 million quest by Jefferson Parish to replace almost every water meter in the parish with more reliable smart technology is facing delays after a losing vendor successfully challenged a parish's procurement process. That's Louisiana Considered on a Wednesday. I'm Adam Voss. Thanks for listening. A thank you to Rhonda Brown from the DCFS, to Katerina Bill from the Southern Smoke Foundation, and Drew Hawkins and Stephen Basaha from the Gulf States Newsroom. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our assistant producer is Robbie Purcell, and our engineer is Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Mondays through Fridays, 12 noon and 7 p.m. on this station. I'm Adam Voss. Thanks for listening. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from Tulane School of Public Health.